All right, so are, are, are the kids being dismissed? All right, that's my, 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 my first time to really get that. My goodness. Oh, the grace. Well, good morning. Well, it was uh, the early 1990s, and um, my dad had a mission for he and I. And if you've met my father, um, you know that... Uh, that that needs to come with a big question mark. Um, he said, Johnny, we need to go on a treasure hunt. And I'm like, okay. He said, uh, in the front of your grandparents' yard um, are some gold coins, and we need to go dig those up. Uh, so we set off, and uh, to no avail. Uh, we dug up half of their front yard, uh, and there were no gold coins to be found. Fast forward uh, to the year 2000, Becky and I moved back here to attend Dallas Theological Seminary, and we moved into my grandparents' house. My grandmother was still alive at the time, and so my dad comes to me again. He says, you know, I've talked to your grandmother, and I have some better information. (laughs) So we're going to go digging again. And so I'm like... Now, this is pretty personal because this is my yard now that we're digging up, and it's the front yard. So sure enough, we went out there, and we're digging away, and all of a sudden, my shovel hits PVC pipe, and I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, is this a sprinkler system, you know? And sure enough, we found gold. We found about 30 gold Cougaron coins in this PVC pipe, about four feet down, and it was the coolest thing. I mean, this was like way before, you know, like the reality shows. I mean, like we did it. And man, we're high-fiving and we're celebrating, and it's muddy and it's wet, and we pull the PVC pipe out, and of course there's coins everywhere, and so we keep digging in the mud, and, you know, and we find these gold coins worth thousands of dollars which I gave them all up. I want you to know that. I didn't put them in my pocket. Um, But as we step into this next series, um, I think that's a little bit of what I experienced as we were going through Galatians together. Um, As we were going through Galatians, you know that parts of it, uh, Paul is talking about the law. He is reiterating how amazing our salvation is, and he talks about the law. And for me, walking into Galatians, I had a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of misconceptions, um, a lot of antiquated ideas about what the law was, and it was like I found treasure. And so with that, um, I really felt led for us just to invest the next 10 weeks in the Ten Commandments. All right? You're like, oh, man, come on. We're like a New Testament church. You know, we can't do that. Well, don't leave yet. Don't go out and get your coffee or don't go somewhere else yet because we're going to talk about that together. But for the next 10 weeks, we are going to walk through the book of Deuteronomy, the um, specific part that talks about the Ten Commandments. And we're going to walk through the Ten Commandments from Deuteronomy because uh, it's very significant um, in the history of Israel. Um, these Ten Commandments were given twice, once in Exodus and then once here in Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy, literally that word means second law or covenant 
renewal. And so this is God, through Moses, recommunicating his heart and his hope for his people. And I think, man, that's kind of appropriate for us because we just kind of need to hear it again, especially in light of where Trinity Chapel is in the life of our church and just kind of entering into this second season. I think it's really good for us to hear these laws and to hear these commandments. Literally, what they were called back then were words. They were called the ten words, which a word back then meant a phrase or a thought. Uh, So we're going to use that to go with Uh, these ten words from God to us, okay? So, before that, we need to have a top ten list, don't we? We need need a top ten list, right? I mean, if we're going to have ten words, we need to have a top ten list, right? All right, so, before you skate out and say, man, these ten things, like, they're not for me. Well, actually, the New Testament speaks otherwise about how significant these ten commandments are for us even today. And so, so I want to share them with you and uh, talk about each of them briefly before we get into our first one today, okay? So first, um, and this really speaks to hopefully to clear up some of your misconceptions uh, and misunderstandings about the Ten Commandments because I think we kind of come loaded, we always come loaded uh, with expectations or with perspectives, uh, but we need to hear from the Bible, Right? and just what it says about, the, about these Ten Commandments. So first, uh, the Ten Words were written by God for His people in love. The Ten Words were written by God for His people in love. Deuteronomy 5, 6, in setting up these Ten Commandments, before we get into our first one, it says this. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So for many years, the people of Israel have been in slavery and God has literally rescued and drawn them out. And now they are clueless in how to live. And so God is saying, I'm going to show you how to live with me and how to live with each other. So first, the ten words were written by God for his people in love. Number two, the ten words teach us how to live with God and each other. The ten words teach us how to live with God and each other. Galatians, we are in back in the fall. Galatians 3.24 says this, The law has become our tutor, or some translations say guardian. The law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. And so, really what the law does is it points us to our need to live a life with God, through the Son, by the Spirit, and we live a life by faith. So, secondly, the ten words teach us how to live with God and each other. Number three, the ten words are still God's hope and expectation for us today. You're like, what? Like, man, like, no, no, I'm like, we have like the Spirit, right? No, these, these ways, this way that God has designed for us to live is still in effect today. Jesus himself says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. 
And that's Jesus that's saying, okay, this is my design. This is how I've wired you to live with me and with each other. All right? Number four, the ten words. Oh, I have a quote there. I'm sorry. Uh, Eugene Merrill, he's a, he's a professor from Dallas Theological Seminary. He says this as far as them being our, um, our blueprint for life. He says, the ten words function as the essence of divine standards and expectations against which every conceivable human attitude and conduct is to be measured. They are, in fact, expressive of the very character of God himself and for that reason alone are timeless and universally applicable. Okay? So, so for all you old school people out there like, no, we're just going to be New Testament people, not old school. Uh, the old school is still for us today. But uh, we have the whole story. We know um, how we are to live this out through the Son and by the Spirit. All right, next. The ten words are to be taught and applied. The ten words are to be taught and applied. Matthew five nineteen says this, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, it is good for us to revisit these. It is good for us to teach them. It is good for us to pass these along to the next generation. Because Jesus said so. All right, next. The ten words reveal our sin. The ten words reveal our sin. Romans 3.20 says, Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Romans 7.13 says this, Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means it was sin, producing death in me through what is good. What is good? The law. The law is good. In order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So, so, so in just talking with someone this week, they're like, yes, it's, it, you know, it's like a mirror. We hold up a mirror to see who we really are. And that's not a bad thing because we have a Savior. That's not a bad thing because it pushes us to what we really long for. And what we really long for in our lives is God, right? And so that's why the law is so good. That's why we can say it's a treasure for us to unearth and to look at together. It's good because it shows us who we really are, which we don't really want to see and don't really want to admit. And then we go, oh, but I can go to real, to where real life is. And I can spend my whole life there. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. All right. The ten words next. They do not give life, but they paint a picture of life with God. The ten words do not give life. They are from God, but they don't give life, do they? Who gives life? Life only comes from him, found in the person of his son. Galatians 3.21 says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that could give, give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. So what the law did is it 
it showed us who we really are. And it continues to show us who we really are. And we realize, I am not right. And then Jesus comes and he says, I am going to take your sin and I'm going to put my rightness in you. And through me, by the power of the Holy Spirit, now you can live the way that I intended. Ooh. All right, next. The ten words are impossible to be lived out. The ten words are absolutely impossible. You look at God's expectation, you read these ten, uh, which is really um, a summary of all that he says. So you read them all as well, and you realize, man, I, I mean, like, you know, and we'll look at today, you can't even get past the first one. Minus one. Minus one. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Man, if we look at these scribes and Pharisees, man, they were doing all that they could. They tried as hard as they could to do it apart from God. Because there's no life apart from God. There's no one righteous, not even one. Minus one. Next, the ten words are only part of God's story. The ten words are only part of God's story. Man, if we were to look at these and say, man, okay, do this, this is it, this is, this is all of it, then, then like we wouldn't get the whole story. All right? Galatians three thirteen to 14 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. All right, so let's just stop there just for a minute. So God creates, all right? First of all, we have the Trinity. Then God in love creates for us to be a part of that. Then we fall. All right, then after that, he makes a promise to Abraham, and he says, I'm going to uh, come and rescue so you can be a part of this community that I have. And within that, I'm going to show you how to live. And that way, how to live is what we have here, these Ten Commandments. All right? And what they're going to do is they're going to reveal who you are, all right? And they're going to point you to the foot of the cross and point you to a place of desperation that there's no way that you can live up to the righteousness that God wants you and I to live up to. And then we have Christ, and he saves us. Just as I said earlier, he takes our sin and puts his righteousness in us to fulfill the law. Next, the ten words. Display how amazing God is. The ten words display how amazing God is. Romans 8, 3. Keep in mind, guys, this is the New Testament. All right? This is not the appendix to the Ten Commandments. All right? This is the New Testament talking about the law. All right? Romans 8.3 says, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did it. God did it through His Son. And last, the ten words point us to life through the Son by the Spirit. Romans 8, 3, and 4 says, By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, 
He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's good. It's rich for us to kind of get our hearts and minds around to say, okay, whew, all right, let's look at these together because maybe they would lead you to a place of longing for God more, of realizing how glorious Christ is and give you a fuller picture of the life that we can have now and that for sure is to come in eternity. All right? So let's look at the first one together. Turn with me to Deuteronomy. And we're going to look at chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. Deuteronomy 5, 1 to 7. And it says this, And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. So, God, he is desiring fellowship with us. He is further describing for us and how we're to live with him. He says, The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Now with our fathers did the Lord make, not with our fathers did the Lord Make this covenant. Fathers meaning Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But with us, who are all of us here alive today. So God made this covenant the first time uh, with a few generations that might still be alive in this hearing. But now, since since at least 40 years has passed, he is reiterating, he is deuterowing, he is renewing this covenant, he's recommunicating the second law again to them. So what's interesting about this is uh, they are on the foothills of the promised land. They've been wandering in the wilderness, and now they're about to enter into the promised land. All right? And Moses, he says, you know what? I'm going to take everything that I've said, and I'm going to say it one more time. And so that's what this is. All right? And then we know after this, after he gives this enormous message, probably the longest message in history, then he goes up, and God takes him, and he dies. And before he dies, God even says to Moses, here's the deal. You just gave these commands, and these people are going to rebel like crazy. But I want you to give it to them anyway. They need to know how much I love them and what I really long for them, how I long for them to live with me. So, this is what he says. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the Lord and you at that time, to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So, our first word. What is it? Deuteronomy 5.7 says this. It says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods 
before me. So if you're like me, you know, sitting here, maybe you sitting out there, you're like, oh man, check that one off. I've already struggled with that one today. I've already put so many other things before you, God. And so already, for me, I'm like, I absolutely need Jesus. (laughs) I need Jesus. I can't even do the first one. And we've looked at that um, these last few weeks. And one of the things that I read in, um, I think it was two weeks ago, was this passage after Moses gives these Ten Commandments. Then he sums it up in this simple creed. And I love it because what he's doing is he's taking this first commandment and he's saying it again in two more different ways. All right, so this is what he says. He says in Deuteronomy 6, 1, and then 4 and 6, he says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going. And this is verse 4 right here. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. As I've mentioned before, what that literally means is only. That there's only one. Not two or three or four in a list, in a top ten list, but there's one. There's one God. And then he says it in a different way in how we're to live it out. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So I love that because to me, and I'm a really simple guy, I love how he simplifies it and he says, really, at the end of the day, I am God and you are my people and I want us to live together. And if you want to live with me, this is how we do it. Now for me, I'm like, whew, I'm just glad that he spoke. To me, I'm just thankful that in love he spoke and that he told us what he desires of us. Now, how do we take it? How do we hear it? How do we, how do we embed it into our heart and then follow it? All right. So these last few weeks, if you've been around with us, we kind of tracked with this idea of God only. All right? So really for us as a community, as a body, how can we start the year with us getting our hearts and minds around this idea of God only? And so I feel like we've already kind of been there visiting this idea of having no other God beside me, but I just want to go through it one more time, and then I want us to look at a few different pictures of how this has been lived out. All right? So first, three weeks ago... We just tracked with David, right? We looked at David, uh, this wild man who struggled fiercely in life. But God said he was a man after his own heart. And this is what he said. He says, I will bless the Lord at at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I love that. To me, that is a Davidic way of communicating the Ten Commandments. He's saying, you know what? It's all about God and about all of us doing it together. And he just said it in his own way. I love that. And then last week, or two weeks ago, we heard stories of our own people, uh, of Wes and Leanna and Luke 
and just how through their life they have come to this conclusion that, you know what, it's all about God. It is all about him and what he wants to do to make me like his son in the difficulties of life. For Wes, it was through God revealing his misplaced love affair. Wasn't that hilarious what he said? He said, you know, I was, what, 13, and I fell in love with myself. And I was like, man, that's really good, and that's really sad. But what a gift for that to be revealed to him, to point him, to thrust him to Jesus. And then Leanna, coming to the end of others' expectations for her, and having nothing, but really, she had everything. Because she realized that all she needed was Jesus. Amazing, wasn't it? Oh, whew. And then Luke, through, through, through being brought to the point of death, twice, in order that he might have just a glimpse of what real life is all about. Man, he would never put that upon anybody. But what a gift that God gave that to him, right? And then last week, just hearing from, from uh, Stephen, our worship leader, our song leader, just this invitation that we have to come together to once, for like once a week and just go for it. And just say, you know what? We're messed up. We desperately need Jesus. And I need you, and we're just going to praise him. Whether there's joy, whether there's trial, it doesn't matter. Whether there's four of us or four million of us, we're going to praise God. We are going to worship him because we've been invited to do that. Not because we have to be here, but because we want to be here. I'm like, yes. Yes. And so, so for you, what does that look like for you? What does it look like if you were to recommunicate God only? How would that emerge out of your life? How would that be emitted out of life? What is the story that you would tell? So I was thinking about that this week, and, um, and I was brought back to three stories in the New Testament that I want to close with. Um, none of them connected, but all of them connected. And the first one is this. Um, it's in Luke 21, 1 to 4. I don't think I have it on the screen, uh, but I'll just read the story to you. All right? It's Luke 21, 1 to 4. And it's about uh, this seemingly insignificant person that captures the heart and mind of Jesus. And it's this widow and what she does and how she chooses uh, to give everything. And this is what it says. It says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. I don't think they were Cougaron coins, worth thousands of dollars. And he said, truly, and this is Jesus. So, perk up. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed, contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all. 
She put in all she had to live on. So I'm not saying that we're going to take up an offering and just put it all in. No, I'm saying for this widow, for this person, in that moment, specifically in that time, for her loving God and putting nothing beside him, that's what it looked like for her. And that's her. But how about you? And next is Stephen. I've been reading about Stephen and reading through Acts this week. Um, And in Acts 6, I love it because I'm like, man, I want to be like that. It says that Stephen was a man full of faith and, uh, and full of the Holy Spirit. He was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. But I want to read to you the rest of the story of his life. In just a few minutes, we're going to have uh, some new deacons up here, and we're going to pray for them and uh, install them, how official or unofficial that is. Um, But we're just going to recognize them and really how they're serving already. But Stephen, and I love this story, because he was called up uh, to serve and to help, and he ends up preaching. You know, I love that. You know, it's like, well, you, you got out of your box. You got to stay in your box. No, Stephen was serving and he had the opportunity to proclaim the gospel and he did. And this is what happened. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged. This is the people hearing Stephen's message about God. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And I just hear that story. I'm like, man, he didn't capitulate. In the moment, he didn't back down. In the moment, it was all about God. In the moment, he had the opportunity to run away, and he said, man, there is nothing but God. It's God only. And this is how I'm going to respond, and it might cost me everything, and it did. But what a beautiful picture it is. Last, as I think about these Ten Commandments, and I think about, okay, because like for me, even in my posture, even teaching these and communicating them, you know, part of me is still like, well, I'm not going to do that. It's really not about that. But who had a posture that said, you know what, it's all about God. It's all about you. Well, it was Jesus. And um, so I have like a little picture just for you just to think on. And um, do I not have it? Oh, that's not it. There we go. And um, really, you know, thinking about the cross and thinking about Jesus 
and how open he was and how unashamed he was, how sacrificial he was, how humble he was, how yielded to the Father he was. He said, man, there is none beside you. Now, the, um, now the amazing thing is, is he was God and he was pointing to God. So how do we wrap our heads around that? Man, that's beyond me. Uh, but it's a mystery that I really like. But in that moment, he was such a picture of saying it's only about God. It's only about the Father. It's only about him. And I'm making this declaration because that's how I was made. And that's all that I know to do. And I think for me, I just wonder, you know, what does it look like for me to make him only? For there to be none beside um, him. Um, And I think next week we're going to look at other gods and other things that get in the way. Um, and then, and I think I probably mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but um, but I think for me, it's being present. It's being in the present with God, knowing that only now can I make a choice like the widow. That only now can I make a choice like Stephen. That only now can I make a choice like Jesus. And so what does it look like for you not in a life vision or these are my gifts and this, but now, like right now, what does it look like for you to put none beside him now? And I think for me, it leads me once again to the reality that I can't. It points me deeper to the reality that I really need him. And so one of the ways that God did that is he said, I'm going to give you communion. And I'm going to give you the opportunity uh, consistently to never forget that it's all about me and what I did. And so really just to conclude our time, I want to invite the deacons to come up. Um, Our music team is going to play a song for us that you're welcome to join into as well. But we don't just want to talk about it. We want to give you the opportunity to truly commune with God and and just think on Him. And not only as a sacrifice, but as an example of someone that chose to live a God-only life. So these guys are going to serve the elements, and I'll come back up in just a few moments as well. I know there's a lot of confusion. Um, So like, I'm going to come back up. Uh, and I'll lead us through the communion, okay?